Well, hello everyone, and welcome to episode 12 of DevOps Squared. Um, so, the topic this week is, is slightly different to what we've um, been doing, but uh, the idea for this come um, a while ago, actually, uh, when I was at a conference and thought, um, you know, it'd be really good for people to understand how DevOps is done um, at different organisations, uh, you know, different um Businesses, depending on what they do, whether it be commerce, financial, healthcare, you know, it's, it's done differently depending on whatever organisation you're in and depending on many different factors internally. So the idea is to, you know, really give everyone who's listening a, a viewpoint as to how it's done at specific organisations and hopefully um, help them going forward as, as well. And that's always the aim of, of every episode, really, is to give you all something to think about and take back to your own organizations. So uh, for this week's episode, um, I, I'm talking to uh, Jamal Walsh, who is a senior solutions architect at the Very Group um, in the UK. Um, just before we get started, um, first of all, I just want to say thank you to uh, Jamal for joining us. And no problem. Secondly, if you could just give us an intro about yourself and you know, your career today, how you got to be in DevOps in the first place? Sure, sure, sure. Thanks for having me on anyway. It's uh, really nice to speak to you again. It's been a while since we last spoke. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm a senior solution architect at the Very Group. Uh, I've been there 12 months now, uh, doing some amazing stuff there at the Very Group. Um, prior to that, I worked at a company called Brother, who make sewing machines, printers, um, and such. Spent quite a long time at the Very Group. Um, doing software development and then moved into kind of um, project management uh, and then solution architecture. Um, I then kind of, it was there where I found the kind of passion for DevOps um, and started to kind of shape the business. I became, um, I had the role DevOps product owner uh, and that kind of role was to kind of um, influence DevOps uh, across the kind of technical side of the organization. Uh, implementing DevOps techniques, processes, tools, uh, and things like that. And then from there, I, I decided I wanted another challenge and moved to the very group uh, as a senior solution architect. But I've been heavily involved in their kind of digital transformation um, and their adoption of DevOps practices and processes. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of a, a really high-level background uh, as to who I am and, and what I currently do. Hey, great. Thanks for that. And one of the things to add as well is that you're also a, a DevOps ambassador with a DevOps Institute. Uh, that's, right. that's right. Yeah, Jane Grohl and Helen Beale. have had a chat with them a while back. I was really interested in what they're doing as a kind of an organization. They're doing some really interesting stuff. So, yeah, um, they, they asked me to, to come on board as an ambassador. I think... The last few months have been so busy with everything that's going on. I've not, I've not been able to contribute as much as I'd like to to the to the kind of DevOps Institute type stuff, and 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 putting out my own content as well. But hopefully, as things settle down a bit, that that should change. Hence, why I'm here today. <laughs> yeah, good timing. Yeah. So let's uh, so let's get into um, I guess the topic at, at hand first of all. So broadly speaking, we're, we're going to be talking about you know just how how DevOps works at the very group, and there's definitely a few things I want to uh, go through. No, no doubt, I will think of a few more things as we're going through. Yeah. Um, but first things first, it's a question I ask um, everyone that comes on, which is, what does DevOps mean to you? Yeah, I think it's a really good question, uh, and I think a lot of people have spoken to about DevOps. It kind of means different things. For me, my passion in DevOps is very much around the cultural mindset side of things, kind of the psychology behind it. I think one of the biggest challenges with any kind of DevOps adoption is changing the culture within the organization. Uh, and I've, I've, re I've read a lot about it. Um, Dora, um, DevOps.com, the DevOps Institute, um, the Accelerate books, the DevOps Handbook. So, just doing a lot of reading, uh, and one of the one of the main things I found quite challenging is is the cultural side. So, you know, it it it's that that really inspires me to to kind of work um, in the DevOps space. But I think one of the other things um, is I don't know if you've heard of the, the kind of CALMS, which is culture automation, lean 
um, measurement and sharing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what it stands for. And I think that really encompasses what um, DevOps is all about. It's not just, you know, it's not a lot of people just think it's automation or CICD. And it's much, much more than that. So for me, there's a there's a whole host of things that you, as an organization or as a, as a person, you need to focus on um, to be able to be kind of successful in, in kind of implementing your, your DevOps strategy. Yeah, def- definitely is. And, I, you know, I hope people who listen, um, I, I guess, frequently, or I guess I remember this from the first time we met, I guess, just over a year ago now, if you've, <laughs> if you've just been yeah. there for a year is you know i i I come in uh to that session and and it took a while for me to even mention technology you know culture was always the biggest thing and i think i think that's a scary or worrying prospect for a lot of organizations personally i don't think you know i think they expect someone to come in talk about devops and then to talk about technology and automation what tooling they're going to install uh, and how it's going to work but you know, you can you can have all of the tooling in the world, I guess, really, and still not achieve, you know, DevOps nirvana. And yeah. you know, I was actually talking to a a client earlier today, ironically, uh, and I was asking some questions about you know just what they're doing in this um, space for a piece of work that we're looking at. And they're one of the few organisations I've talked to where um, a lady I was talking to, she runs a DevOps um, practice there. And she said, you know, we have all the tooling and, you know, we do some really good stuff with pipelines. Uh, I was like, oh, okay, that sounds really good. And then she said, but, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And, you know, she was really open and honest actually saying, you know, but culture wise, we're not quite there. We still work very waterfall. And, you know, I, I personally, that's not a typical thing for, for me to hear. I always hear people say stuff about the tooling and then just stop there because they think, They've done it, uh, and obviously yeah. that's not the, the case, right? Yeah. Um, kind of as a follow-up to that, then. So if I, if I asked you the same question a few years ago, and um, do you think you'd have said the same thing about what DevOps means to you, or would your opinion have, have changed slightly? Um, I mean, initially, initially, I can't. We kind of subconscious. We had we had a while back. The reason we came, we we started investigating DevOps was. There was so much pain in the processes that we were doing that, that we were using at the time. We started to look at ways to improve things, and the first thing we looked at were kind of the pain points that we were having. You know, the time it was taking to get changes into production. You know, we had leadership, t- you know, asking us why is things taking so long, uh, and we kind of we started to move towards DevOps kind of subconsciously. Um, so we started to look at tools that could help us. We started to look at things we could automate, looking at the market, seeing what was out there. And then, then, then we kind of started to, you know, realize that, you know, all of this tooling and, and processes and, and all that kind of stuff is, has, has got a name. It's got a label. Uh, and then we started to delve a bit deeper, started to, you know, find the books and articles around how to, how to adopt DevOps properly. Um, so, yeah, I'd say a few years ago, you know, we we weren't we weren't fully aware of it, and we we were looking at the very much at the technology side of things, um, to just to just to try and alleviate some of the the pain that we we were we were feeling as a team. Um, so yeah, that it would it, it would have been slightly a slightly different view to what I've got today, definitely. Yeah, I think I think most people actually say that to be honest, and it's a good. I think it just goes to show people that are listening that. You know, we're, especially with DevOps, but everything, I guess, in technology, really, and, and you know, even outside of technology, um, you are always learning and always evolving your understanding of what it is you're working on and what it is that you're, you, you know, doing with your role and various different things, right? So, you know, it's really, it's really good that people can explain exactly where um, their understanding has come from and, and what their understanding was. Uh, you know, a while ago, and I've, I've said before, my, you know, I'm a pretty open and honest about this. My understanding, you know, three to four years ago of uh, DevOps was that it was all a technology thing. Uh, and I 
don't think it was until I was in the midst of actually trying it within a, an internal group of people yeah. that I realised that it's, it's way more than that. And that's when I started reading all the books and guides and, you know, started off with a Phoenix project, like most people yeah. do. Yeah. And you realise very quickly that it's actually a lot more than that. It's much, much more. Yeah, I think, I think for me, I think, I think it's different depending on which organization you're in as well. I think it's a lot harder for organizations that have been around a long time. I -hmm. think newer organizations are probably, you know, um, picking up all of this stuff quite easily and adapting to it quite easily. Whereas the older organizations like Brother um, and like the Very Group who are like over 100 years old in some cases, and they've got huge systems, huge legacy systems, mainframes, all of that kind of stuff that have been around for years and they've got processes that they've had for years and they're, you know, they've got people who've been around for years looking after those um, platforms and processes. And, and I think it's a lot more difficult in, in those older organizations to change that mindset and culture. And I think one of the, one of the great lines I read recently around uh, culture is you can't change culture itself directly. Yeah. You have to change habits and behaviors. And by doing that, you then change culture. And I thought that was a really interesting thing because, you know, a lot of the time you hear, you know, it's about culture, it's about culture, but no one actually tells you how to change the culture. Yeah. And that's or what and that, that means. Yeah. Uh, what that means, yeah. And, and obviously, you know, if you start changing the habits and behaviors of people and the processes you use, um, that's when the culture starts to change. But obviously in large, old organizations that have been around a long time that are, you know, setting their ways and have done some things a certain way for a long time, it's very hard to break those habits and, and change those mindsets. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And there's, you know, there's lots of examples of organizations exactly as you described there, I guess. You know, I've talked talk to people before about, um, you know, who are now very big organizations like Uber, Airbnb, uh, you know, just the, for people who are in the UK, Deliveroo, you know, all of these organizations. Yes, they're all software companies broadly, they're all apps, yes. but, you know, they all, they all started, um, you know, ultimately very small, but they started with the right culture and they started with the right growth mindset. And they've been able to scale that into what they are today. You know, you run that against organizations who are, like you say, a lot, you know, more enterprise focused, especially now, uh, being around 60 years or more. And, yeah. you know, like you say, there's so much legacy, there's so much monolithic technology in there. It's often very, very difficult, like you say, to change into being, um, you know, exactly like some of those other companies. And I, and I think that's why those, um, you know, app-based companies of today have probably made so many inroads into the markets that they're in is because they're, you know, a lot better prepared to change the demand placed on them by consumers. Yeah, and I think, I think a, lot of, a lot of the time as well, I think they believe because they've got legacy platforms, uh, monolithic, huge monolithic platforms, that they can't apply DevOps and, and, and Agile to those kind of platforms and tools. When actually you can, you just you just can't scale it as much as you would if you were, say, uh, in a microservices architecture, for example. Um, but the, you can certainly, you know, whether you're on a monolith or whether you're microservices, you can you can adopt a lot of the the practices and a lot of the processes and tools to to improve um, your you know your your software development across all sorts of different platforms. Mm-hmm. That's my view. Def- definitely, and you know, I think even with a larger organisations, I, I think it's the ones that will react the quickest or not react is the wrong word when we're talking about devops it's a bit of an anti-pattern when it comes to devops but you know the ones that the ones that are able to um, be agile and and change what they do the quickest especially at the minute with the pandemic going on you know these are the ones um that will ultimately weather the storm and and go on to succeed in the future right is my personal opinion yeah, absolutely. It's kind of one of the things that I've kind of read quite a lot of is that, you know, the major differentiator in, in any 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 kind of industry at the moment is how fast and how much and the quality uh, and the security around the features that you ship as an organization to your users. 
uh, mm -hmm. of your of your platform. So if you're if you're an organization and you're not adopting DevOps, you can guarantee that your competitors are adopting DevOps and they will surpass you when it comes to, you know, delivering those killer features quicker than, than you do, um, which ultimately, you know, will, will leave you behind. So, you know, from, from a strategic point of view, it's massively important that, you know, organizations are adopting these practices. Um, I think sometimes people think about speed and features um, too much. And I think at the very group, there's a huge emphasis on security. Um, and, and embedding security right through our entire process from from ideation all the way through to actually operating and monitoring. So, yeah, I think security is becoming more and more prevalent because, you yeah. know, it's, it's all well and good delivering great features really quickly, but if they're not secure, um, it's going to be ultimately your downfall. So, yeah, we're, there's a huge push from a security point of view at the very, very group at the moment as well. So it's where you get into the DevSecOps uh, type mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So on, on, on that kind of note, like just moving on from from that, um, you know, for all, for all of the technology fans, um, what what technology stack I use in uh, the very group? So from uh, you know, obviously, people that know you guys will know you're a, you're a commerce company fundamentally, along with other services on there as well. Yeah. You know, what what stack are you using from back end? Yes, yeah. So the very group for people who don't know, so we're I think the second largest uh, pure play online retailer in the UK, um, and we have brands like Very.co.uk, Littlewoods.com, and also Littlewoods Island. Um, we have those three websites, and we also have native apps for Very and Littlewoods. Um, and we have, um, we're in the process at the moment of migrating to microservices. We've got, a, we're currently using a, a huge monolithic uh, commerce platform um, to support all of the websites, and the plan is to kind of move away from that. Um, and from a from a pipeline point of view, so. Um, kind of if you look at the, the kind of the DevOps loop and you've got your your plan and collaboration tools so we're using um, Jira, um, Confluence, um, uh, Slack um, to collaborate and do all of the planning and documentation and manage all of the, the product teams um, using Jira. Um, one of the things we've started to explore recently is kind of new features in Jira, Jira automation, uh, integrating our tool chains together. Uh, and then in the, in the code side of things, um, we are looking, we, we do a lot in AWS, um, but we are, um, you know, we're using Google Cloud Platform, we're using Azure across other areas of the business as well. So we are, we are multi-cloud. Um, we do use multi, multi, multiple service providers from a cloud point of view. Um, from a coding point of view, um, all our, mainly mainly Java development, um, no JS in front end. Um, we are using Bitbucket as our source code control. Uh, integrates really nicely with our, our Jira, our Atlassian stack. Um, we are using Jenkins quite heavily for our CI/CD pipeline, so we've got lots mm -hmm. of we've got lots of Jenkins instances um, where we've got lots of different pipelines to deliver our, our microservices, to deliver uh, changes to the commerce platform, um, and that's deploying into AWS, as I said, uh, and then we've got. Um, analytics and data coming out of our ears. Um, I think the, the main aim for the Very Group is to be have technology at the heart of the business, like you say, become a software company, uh, have technology at the heart of the business, and be very, very data driven. So we've got we've got big data science teams. We're we're collecting as much data as we possibly can to help inform our decisions around um, what we want to do next. Mm -hmm. um, and we've got lots of tools like um, AppDynamics. Um, we're using um, oh, we're using Elasticsearch and um, lots of tools from Amazon to kind of create our dashboard so we can actively monitor our, our microservices and applications to make make sure that they're performing as they should. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I could sit here and go on for, for, <laughs> for a long time, but we, we use we use quite 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 a lot of technology. I think one of the challenges with um, DevOps, and I've I've actually talked to someone about it on a, on a, on the YouTube channel, is kind of I, I coined the phrase um, tool chain anxiety, which mm-hmm. is if you look at the if you look at the tools that you can use from a DevOps perspective, you look at the market. There's hundreds, if not thousands, of different products out there, yeah. all in different areas. And trying to trying to sit down and understand which ones you want to use as an organisation can be very daunting if you you know if mm. you're not if you're not used or you're not you're not aware of the marketplace. Um, but it's always good to kind of um, see what other people are using. Um, make sure you're using the technology that fits with what you're developing as a product as well. So obviously. Um, we're, um, we're we're trying to be using open source tools as well uh, as much as we can. So we have a mix of commercial tools and open source tools. Um, I think the other thing we've got from a tooling point of view as well is in our pipeline, we've started to embed a lot of um, static analysis. Um, um, so we're doing security scanning. We're doing static analysis on the code to make sure there's no vulnerability. Mm-hmm. We, we're using containers for our microservices. So we're using Claire and things like that to scan our, our container images to make sure that they're they're up to date and there's no vulnerabilities in them. Um, so, so kind of, I think the, in the old world, you kind of built everything, you deployed everything, and then you did kind of penetration testing, you know, every 12 months or every six months or whatever. We do, we still do penetration testing in the front end. We're using tools like Qualys and things like that to do that penetration testing. However, we've started to embed a lot of security testing uh Prior, even even before we, we we write any code, we're doing things like threat modeling. So using Stride and Dread and things like that um, methodologies to to make sure that what we're designing is going to be secure, so we can see what um, what actors and what what threats are out there before we even start to write anything. So we can make sure we design security in and bake it in at the very beginning. And then we have all of the steps in our in our pipeline to double check everything. And then obviously once it's in in, in production and being used by customers, we're monitoring it there as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, lots of lots of amazing stuff going on. Yeah, definitely. And you know, there's two things that I really you know pick up from what you say. So the the, the first thing about toolkit anxiety, I think, is a really common thing. Mm-hmm. And I actually think that's one of the you know, when it comes to technology and DevOps, I think, like you said, that's one of the biggest challenges because even if you look within specific um, categories of tooling, if you want a tool that does CI, there's so many choices. <laughs> yeah. If you want a tool that does CD, again, so many choices. So it's really difficult to, you know, pick and choose the, the right one for your organization sometimes, especially if you're not... Um, uh, you know, I guess not experienced in um, some of the tools that you come across before. And I once, it was going back a while now, I once did a, a session, a, a user group, I think it was a while ago, around, you know, how you pick the right tool. And, and I, I put up a slide right at the beginning, and it was an animation, and it had loads of logos on from all of these different yep. um, tooling companies. Uh, and, the, you know, it was a, a few years ago, I don't know if you remember that million dollar homepage. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. So my, my screen looks like that because I've yeah. got all of these logos on. Uh, and I said, look, you know, the whole point of the talk is to, you know, really talk to you about how you can start to pick the right tooling for some of this stuff because it's actually really difficult. And, you know, it's something that you need to think about quite yeah. quite you know, seriously, and, and once you've made a choice and gone down that route, you know, it's actually very difficult to move to something else because you've exactly. become ingrained in it. It's very difficult. Uh, and I think the second thing, and I'd say this is probably the most important thing that I would um, sort of add to what you said is people often get really worried with DevOps that there are so many disparate tools um, that do very niche things, um, and sometimes there are tools that do everything. Yes. Um, now, you know, I want to be really careful <laughs> not to offend people I know that even work on these products or use yeah. these products. You know, I, myself, I'm a big advocate of Azure DevOps, and, um, you know, be more into the Azure platform. 
it, it does a fantastic job of doing all of your CI, CD, workload management, yeah. um, all of your testing you can do in, in there and everything, package management. And you can deploy it to multiple platforms and it doesn't have to be Microsoft-based coding and it works for you know a lot of areas and works really, really well. But there are certain use cases where you have to break out and go into disparate tools. So I think the biggest thing I would say from what you've said is to people that are listening is, you know, if, if someone starts talking to you about using, you know, a vendor here and a vendor there and a vendor there, you know, don't, don't be afraid of that because it may well be the right tool for the job. Yeah, I think that's massively important. I think another thing what what, what I think especially large organizations struggle with is um, so there's a term self-organizing teams which can cause huge huge challenges to organizations where you know I've seen um, I think I think it was Just Eat um, did a conference on scaling DevOps and tooling and things like that and one of their challenges was you know if you if you give individual teams complete autonomy then you end up with this, you know, different teams picking different tools and you end up with this tool chain sprawl across the organization. And I think it's really important, um, especially if you're a really large organization, to to work out, you know, which which to which tools and platforms are you going to use across the organization and what tools and platforms are you okay with kind of your delivery teams, you know, picking themselves and using themselves. Um, you know, so, you know, if you, in the very group, we've got multiple tribes and in those tribes, we've got multiple squads. And if we, if we weren't, if we, if we weren't to give direction on the, on the tooling we use, um, we would end up with hundreds and hundreds of different tools. We would end up, end up with people with, skills with those specific tools so it makes it really difficult a to manage the tools themselves um it makes it really difficult to, to scale things and and, mm-hmm. and and move people around the organization you know people may work, be working in one team for a while and then you want to move them to another team and if you've got a completely different set of tools to learn you know it really it really impedes that the ability to kind of transition between squads and at the end of the day we're all doing software development and i think it's really hard to find that balance between you know how much you can how much do you want to let a, a team of people go out and, mm-hmm. and and pick their own tools versus how much do you want to control to make sure that you know if you do want to restructure or you want to move people around because you've got important priorities in a certain place then you want to be making that as easy as possible for people. So you don't want, you know, for example, you've got GitLab being used in one team and you've got Jenkins being used in another team. And then, you know, someone moves and they've got to try and learn how to use GitLab, for example, because they've been mm-hmm. working on Jenkins for, for the last 12 months or a couple of years. So I think another thing, and, and finding that balance is really, really difficult. I, yeah, I'm finding, yeah. Uh, because you want you want the teams to be as autonomous as possible, but yeah. again, you know, from a from a scaling point of view, it, it becomes it becomes problematic then. Yeah, definitely. And I think you know, I, I, I was just thinking about um, something April said from Microsoft the other week, where when she was on, and um, you know, we were just saying about tooling. I think you know, a lot of people will say, you know, we don't we don't want to control what people use in DevOps. You know, we want teams to be autonomous. And I think you know, I completely agree with um, exactly what you're saying in, in you know both ways. And, and that balancing act, like you say, is a very fine one. And in either direction, you create problems either way. You either end up with thousands of tools, like you say, or you end up with teams not creative enough to, to do what you need them to do. And I, th- I think I found personally the best way that works is, you know, from, from an architectural point of view, just like we define architectural standards, you define architectural standards for tooling as well. And your teams pick the tool that's right for them. And I think one of the things, you know, back to what April was saying is really critical. And I think where people get confused is when, Quite often when we say to people, you know, let your teams do what they want, I, I think we we are mostly talking about from a cultural perspective, let them build their own culture yeah. and not so much about the tooling, you know, let's keep some control of the tooling, let's give them options at least, let them deal with their own culture and th- that is when teams will flourish. 
Yeah, so we tend to use the term guardrails quite a lot. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like, yeah, you can you can do what you want, but you have to kind of stay within these 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 guardrails that we we're trying yes. to set out at the moment. And I think I think that's kind of it's it's kind of seems to be adopted a bit better um, by the teams. Yeah. And I think the I think the other thing is as well is if if a new team starts up. You've got all of the intellectual property and all of the hard work that's gone into building that existing tool chain and 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 understanding its complexities and 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 integrating it and really moving it forward. I think one of the things I've said for quite a while is that organizer, if you want if you want to continuously improve, um, you know the velocity and the security and the quality of the stuff that you're delivering as an organization, you have to treat the tools and platforms you use as products themselves, not just the product you're delivering to your end customer. You have to treat those tools as products and continuously invest in them, improving them, Mm. you know, especially if you're using SaaS solutions because they're continuous, you know, they're, they're, they're they're using DevOps to deliver features to you in those, in those tools quicker than ever. So Mm -hmm. it's really important that you, you you keep a kind of one eye on what's happening with all of these tools you're using because, you know, new features are coming out all the time and you need to, you need to leverage them um, to help you improve as a, as a team and as an organization in when it, when it comes to delivering your product. And again, finding that balancing act between delivering features to your customers versus, you know, spending time improving your tool chain, improving the integration, adding automation and things like that. Again, mm-hmm. it's another is another difficult balancing act from a, a product versus delivery um, point of view. Yeah, I mean, I mean it, it definitely is. And, and this is the challenge, I think, because you have so many examples of, um, you know, do it like this, no, do it like this, no, do it like this. That, that, that's what makes it difficult. So, you know, it's kind of a nice segue, really, into um, the next point, really, which is, you know, great. We have we have this awesome technology stack that you guys use to, to achieve the awesome things that you're doing. Um, how, how does DevOps work from outside of a technology perspective at the very group? So, you know, from like a people and process yeah. and a team perspective. Yeah, I think one of the really, one of the reasons I actually joined the very group is, well, there's two reasons actually. One, it's um, quite a unique organization in that it's in two different industries at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a retail, an online retail business, but it's also a financial services business. So the customers that they want to attract to the, the website are customers who value credit and flexible ways to pay. And because of that, they offer financial services and they're governed by the FCA in that side of the business. So there's a whole, um, there's a whole, there's two separate industries you're working in. It's that retail industry and also financial services industry. And that kind of really interested me when I, when I, when I was looking at the company. The second thing that really interested me was the change in kind of leadership that had happened quite recently there. So Henry Birch is the CEO and Andy Burton is the CTO there. Uh, and they've got amazing tech backgrounds. Um, so Andy Burton's a CTO. Um, we work with him a lot. He's, you know, he's a really, really switched on guy when it comes to um, tech and, and driving the business forward from a, um, you know, a tech point of view. Um, so they're, they're kind of the reasons, they're the main reason to move to the company. And I think it's really important in an organization to have buy-in at, at kind of all levels because I've been, at, I've been at previous companies where you've had to kind of push the agenda bottom-up and that can be quite difficult sometimes if, if people mm. in more senior positions don't truly understand the benefit and the concept of DevOps and Agile and things like that. It can be quite difficult to, to influence and change the organization from the bottom up. So it kind of needs a, a kind of two-pronged approach. It needs passionate people from, you know, from, from, the, from the bottom all the way up to the you know, senior management and, and the leadership teams and even, even C-suite as well to understand that you know, there needs to be time and there needs to be you know, investment in, in, in this kind of stuff. And that for me is kind of what really set out the very group from, from anything else I was looking at at the time. And, and actually, 
going into the organization i've been there 12 months and, and the change that's happened in 12 months has been absolutely phenomenal um i think one of the things i will say is obviously with any organization it's it's sometimes difficult to to get that knowledge straight off the bat so mm. a lot, I, I did a i did a talk um at all day devops last year around um outsourcing um, DevOps. And when I say outsourcing, I mean kind of bringing in uh, a third party uh, consultancy who's got all of that valuable experience to kind of support you in, in, in maturing your DevOps processes and, and tools and things like that. And I think a lot of, a lot of you know, if, if, you, if you go to Dora and, and they, they speak about outsourcing as a bad thing, kind of, and I think that's when you just throw everything over the fence and you have that command and control approach. And I think that that is quite bad. I think if you, if you have a partner that comes in and supports you and, and helps you understand uh, and accelerate your your DevOps journey, so to speak, and 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 kind of educate the 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 people from a technology and a business point of view. I think that can really uh, accelerate um, the adoption of DevOps across the organisation. And that's kind of what the Very Group did. We had a a partner that supported us for quite a while and and brought a lot of new people in. Um, they're, they're, they're starting to recruit at the minute. I think for some some new roles in in the tech space as well. Um, and bringing all the all the all the talent in and 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 educating people in that stuff was 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 hugely important and like i say you know in the space of in the space of 12 months the the, the change that happened was was staggering really really was and you know and, and i think the other the other thing you need to be aware of is devops for me for me anyway devops never ends it's it's just a it's a continuous journey you need to keep continuously improving. You know, you, you improve one thing, you move on to the next. And, you know, as technology changes, and as I said, the tools start to change, you need to continuously keep an eye on these things and continuously improve and adopt all of these new new tools, new new capabilities, new processes and things like that. So for me, I, I, I don't see an end to kind of maturing your organization from a DevOps point of view. I don't think there's... I don't see anything at the moment where there's kind of a, you know, when you get to here, you are 100% DevOps. I think it's always going to be a moving target, and it's always going to be really important to keep your eye on the ball and make sure, you know, you're, you're, you're delivering great features to your customers, but you're also looking at how you mature and how you Im continuously improve your tooling, your processes, your culture, and things like that. Yeah, definitely. That, that's a... That's actually an awesome summary about you know how you know how to go about it in in the right way because I think you know you know quite often consultancy companies get a bit of a bad rap for you know just going in saying yo you know we need to do this and this it's about a hundred days you know you need to pay us lots of money and by the end of it you've not really got anything yeah um, but I think you know the example you showed there was that you know if you get the right company in then th this is absolutely the you know the way to the way to do it um could because you know they, they can teach you stuff that, that you just don't think about yep. because you know you get there's, there's a way to describe it and and i can't for the life of me think of the way to describe it um i think there's a terminology for it but when you you know when you work somewhere day in day out you you know, you, you get the company's fire hose and the company's Kool-Aid and, and that is the way things work. And, and you know, it can take an external organisation to come in and give you that perspective, you yeah. know, be it in your own industry or, you know, just generally in technology in this argument. Yeah. Uh, to, you know, really tell you that, hang on a minute, you need to think about this. Yeah, and I think, I think, I think in a lot of places there are people who are really passionate about this stuff but don't have the backing to go and kind of start doing it. And, and from, from my own personal journey, it was kind of, you know what, I'm just going to take a risk. And, and, and I think one of the main things around DevOps as well is having that, having that culture of taking risks, doing things differently. I think that's massively important. Yeah. When, I, when I started at the very group, they were very risk averse. I mean, their their business is a 
four billion pound a year turnover. So that the website that we work on turns over four billion pounds a year. Mm-hmm. So you can understand why the company was very risk averse. And the, you know, it, it's important. It's important to take risks, but take calculated risks and take them in a in, in an environment where it's safe to take risks. Yeah. And actually, getting your environments to a point where you can you can confidently take risks is the really hard part. So building the resiliency in there, building it so that you can release something and quickly switch it off, all of that kind of stuff needs to be in place before you can really start having having a less risk averse kind of culture um and that that's starting to change now in the very group as well but obviously there's a lot of work to do to to ensure our platforms are uh, you know secure stable resilient durable um and and that we can we can make quick changes we can toggle them off we can release them to you know a small number of people and make sure that mm-hmm. they're working as they should and we can switch them off if you know if we put something out there and it it doesn't work we switch it off we're very big on experimentation and things like that as well so we're always you know trying new things to see if if the customers like it or not and then we're using that um feedback to actually to determine what we do next. And I think a lot of places miss that part of Agile and DevOps about the feedback yeah. loop. So you yeah. have this you have this loop and and, and I've been I've seen places where, you know, they think that once you've delivered something, that's it. And they're not actually getting the feedback from what's been delivered or the experiment they've done and, and then using that to influence what they work on next. Um, so yeah, lots of lots of cool stuff happening in that space as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, again, you know, feed, feedback. I, I think I would reiterate is the single most important thing you can do to improve your own implementation of DevOps at your own organisation. For one, and and secondly, you know, feature-based deployment that you were talking about, where everything is so modular that you can just turn it on or off. Is, is absolutely key. You know, if you're a software organization and you're looking to move to this or get better at DevOps, I, I think one of the key things for speed when it comes to the engineering side is, is having that feature-based, um, you know, on or off, um, you know, I want to say feature again, <laughs> basically, yeah. uh, you know, within what you're developing to make sure that, you know, if, if, if your monitor picks something up, you can just turn it off and no one's really any the wiser. Uh, and that's a great way to, you know, we call it fail fast, don't we? That's a great yeah. way to protect revenue at such a big organization as well, but not hinder creativity exactly. and, and, and hinder that innovation that, you know, you guys are clearly really good at. Yeah. Um, so, you know, one, one thing I want to finish up on as, as well is we talked about culture being really important and, uh, a few times in previous episodes, this is something I bang on about nearly every week. Not <laughs> culture being so important, but you know, from first-hand experience, what what's the one thing, culture-wise, which has had the biggest impact that that you've seen that you know working with, you know, quite a large organisation. Yeah, so I think it's a really interesting one, and I, I think people kind of. I've, I've had, a, I wouldn't say arguments, but I've had a few disagreements about this approach that, that I've taken in the past. But I think when you're changing culture um, or the habits and behaviours and the processes within an organisation, you can you can come up against some people um, and some processes that are that are ingrained in the DNA of the business, and it's extremely difficult to change. And I think. One of the, and I think a lot of the time when you try and change a process that's been around for some time, it can be quite, it can be quite difficult for people to to accept that change, uh, and and sometimes it can be quite quite personal for, for mm. you know for, for certain people. And I think one of the things that I think really helped me when it comes to kind of changing the mindsets and behaviours is not focusing on an individual and what they do it's actually delving into the specific process explaining the existing process and the new process but explaining why the new process 
uh, or new tooling that you want to implement, why you want to do it. I think it's massively important that you, you, you give them the why and, and then not just give them the why, but actually show them it actually making a difference and being beneficial to them. Um, I think I think sometimes people just think that things are the way they are and they, and they can't change. And when you actually, you know, force the issue and you get down into the process and you explain why you want to change that, that process and focus on the process itself or the technology, it takes that personal aspect out of it. Uh, and it, it's a lot more easier to kind of digest and accept that change. And that's, from my personal experience, that's what's been kind of the, 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 the biggest thing for me when it comes to kind of changing culture and, and, and adopting new things, um, especially if you're, if you're in that situation where the change can be quite personal and someone's attached to a certain process or a certain technology. Uh, I think it really helps to give them the why, get it in, and prove it out to them and, and show them the benefit of, of doing that. I think an example of that would have been um, in, in, in a previous place and in the very group as well, we, we do a lot of manual testing. Uh, and one of the, the big things from a, a DevOps point of view is automation. And automation is huge. It can, it, it can, I think a lot of people fear automation as well because it kind of, I think they think it's going to take people's jobs away. And one of the things we try and get across is that automation isn't there to replace people. Automation is there to free up your time from the monotonous, repetitive tasks that you do on a weekly basis or a daily basis so that you can use your initiative and your creativity for better things. Um, so, you know, one of the one of the processes we changed was implementing um, automated regression testing. Um, and it, there was a lot of investment in tooling. There was a lot of investment in skills and, and processes. And, and certain people couldn't grasp why it was important. And what we did was we did a major upgrade once. And it took two weeks in our uh, test environment and two weeks in our UAT environment of eight people to do a full regression test of the platform manually. So we worked out that that was the equivalent of one full-time employee for a whole year to do a regression test of an upgrade. So we spent the next few months building the automation platform, building all of the regression tests. And next time we did a platform upgrade, um, it actually took us a, a few hours to run the yeah. regression test. And immediately, you could, you, when you, when you took, take that information back to leadership or whoever, you know, wasn't sure about that approach, when you take that information to them, that you can't argue with that. Um, you know, we've gone from, you know, having the equivalent of one person for 12 months taking that long to test to doing it in, a, in the space of an hour or so. So, yeah, it was, it was yeah, for me, that, that's kind of, you know, focusing on the process and not not the person and i know a lot of people say it's about people and culture but i think when you have those uncomfortable situations i would i would generally say focusing on the processes and the why is, is hugely important in changing those mindsets yeah i i agree and uh, i think this is where you know organizations need to be careful about how you present that um roi back to the business because I've seen I've seen this backfire in lots of organisations back in the the days of uh, System Centre Orchestrator, you know, part of the System Centre family that Microsoft brought. It was an automation tool. It was pretty easy to use. It was drag and drop interface. But you know, I I certainly designed and built some pretty detailed um, pieces of business automation in there. And one of the clients I went back to to do another phase of work had uh, basically figured out how long it took to manually do that process and what the cost was yeah. to do that. And one of the mistakes they'd actually made off the back of that was they put the dashboard up that every time it ran, it basically added that cost to an one. Mm -hmm. And the idea was to basically say, look, this is how much money we've saved by not having someone do this. What they failed to do was then explain what other qualitative stuff that person was doing with her time. Excellent. And that resulted in execs coming through going, well, that's nearly someone's salary, and you know, getting rid of someone. Yeah. 
it's like, well, you don't need them anymore because they're not doing it. And you, exactly, you know, what they failed to do was say, well, actually, now we're not doing this. We've done all of this stuff instead. Exactly. Uh, and I think that's where you've got to be really careful with automation. Yeah, so I think one of the other great things at the Berry Group is the sharing culture. Um, so they have lots and lots of forums where you can go along and people are sharing what they've learned about different technologies and things like that. We have a, an event every fortnight called the Tech Forum, and it's kind of we have three speakers, you know, on a, on a Thursday afternoon, and they'll get up and talk to people about certain technologies they've been using and things like that. And next week we've got a, a full agenda around automation. And, and I think one of the things, one of the messages we want to get across is that automation, you know, shouldn't be a tool that we implement to, you know, reduce the number of people we have in the organization. It should be there to free up the time so that people can focus on doing things that, that they find more valuable mm -hmm. as a person. And, you know, it, you know, doing stuff like that, it frees up the person's time, makes them feel better because they're doing stuff that's more valuable to them. Um, they're not doing these menial manual tasks on a daily basis, writing reports and, you know, all of those, all of those things that would take, take you a while to do manually. If you yeah. can automate them, it means you can focus on, on more creative things or more technical things. So yeah, it's, it's hugely important to, to make sure that when it comes to automation and, and, and changing culture that you, you know, you, you get that message across in the right way. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, you know, unfortunately, we've uh, we've run out of time. Um, that went quick. Uh, yeah, because just like we were saying before, yeah. we started recording at the beginning. The time yeah. goes really quickly. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, you know, those insights there were amazing. I, I really enjoyed that personally as well. Just hearing about how you guys work and you know what what kind of place it is to um, to work day to day. And, you know, some, sounds like an amazing place with some great people and, yeah. and a good roadmap forward so you know first of all, all all the best with your continued career cheers thanks thanks for having me on the show mate it's a really really good no show problem. i really enjoyed it myself thank you very much yeah good thank you for your time uh, as well um so next week um episode 13 so a slightly different angle on devops uh, next week so I'm going to be joined by a, a scrum master i actually worked with a pregnant Atlantic for uh uh, a little bit uh, who I got quite good friends with. So it would be interesting to give everyone a slightly different take from a Scrum Master's perspective on what they think of DevOps within their project. So so stay tuned for uh, that one next week. So You can't beat a good Scrum Master. You can't beat a good Scrum Master, absolutely yeah. not. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, thank you again, everyone, for, for listening this week and hope you can join us next week. And thanks again, Jamal, for your time. Uh, hopefully speak to you soon. No problem. Cheers. Thanks a lot, mate. See you later. Cheers, everyone. Until next time.